0: Okay, hello everyone, this is the Football V Football Podcast. Uh, as you can see by the uh, the title, I wanted to uh, go over the Seahawks game. If you guys aren't aware, this is your first time listening or interacting with this podcast. This is a general football podcast for both footballs, but I am a Seahawks supporter, so... Today was the first Seahawks preseason game of the 2023 season against the Vikings, and they whooped up on them 24-13. Well, I don't know if they actually whooped up on them. Uh, it was 10-0 Vikings, and then, you know, you know how preseason is. None of the starters played for the Seahawks, um, except for maybe Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. So maybe you can say... The third stringers of the Seahawks are probably better than the, sec- the, uh, the the Vikings' third stringers, and the other way around probably for the Vikings. Uh, Vikings' second stringer is probably better than the Seahawks' second stringers. Um, but I wanted to uh, just share some takeaways of this game. This is something that I might continue to do uh, because Seahawks are my team. I enjoy watching them, and there's a lot of... Uh, Uh, folks out there, YouTubers and, and podcasters that, that do Seahawks stuff and, uh, yeah, I just want to contribute to that conversation. So, the first point here, uh, is Eskridge, Dwayne Eskridge, and this guy has had a crazy unlucky career, um... He was the first pick, I believe, uh, that uh, the Seahawks took, I think maybe it was two or three years ago, and he's done nothing but underperform and be injured, and he got injured on the opening kickoff in this game, and uh, he's also suspended for the first six games of the season for some domestic stuff that happened with him, so, but he's been in there, in training camp, practicing, and, um, you know, for him to get injured on the first play like that, that's, uh, it kind of just speaks to his, his arc on this team, and his arc in the NFL, so, that happened the first play, I didn't really follow up to, to see if, um, if it was, like, a long-term thing, I'll check later, but, uh, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba, it seems like he's the one that's going to come in and, and and take his job. I mean, uh, and there was another guy, and this one I'll talk about a little bit later, uh, Bobo. Uh, there might be a packed receiver room, and he may not even be able to continue to do kick returns. Uh, I mean, this Esprigage guy's got to, you know, shape up quick. Uh, <clears throat> the defense. It was the big concern coming into this season. They still can't tackle. They still can't tackle. Terrible. They did terrible against the run. Even, you know, the second unit. So that tells you something. And, of course, you know how bad they were last year. And you will have, if you watch that game against the Raiders and Josh Jacobs, It was just a microcosm of how bad they were, but I'm sure you have PTSD from that as well if you're a Seahawks fan. So the fact that the second unit had all those kinds of issues shows that it's it's endemic. It's something within the coaching of this team. Um, You had Seahawks defenders just bouncing off players. They just go for the big hit. Instead of wrapping up, extremely, extremely annoying. Bad fundamentals. And, you know, Clint Hurt is the defensive coordinator of this team. And, you know, he essentially was under Ken Norton. Ken Norton, of course, was the guy that's been with Pete Carroll for years, going back to USC. And Pete Carroll essentially... Hires yes men and promotes yes men from within. That is what Ken Norton was, and he wanted to keep them, but they were just so historically bad. I think they were 31st against the run last year. He had no he had no option but to let him go. Um and but you know, when you do something like that, you're supposed to bring in a guy that is from outside so that he can help you to stop the run. But no, he promoted Clint Hurt from within. And Clint Hurt is not improving this uh, this defense in terms of tackling. And it's looking really bad. Uh, the one thing that this Seahawks defense has been doing well, and this is a carryover from those great defenses uh, in the early parts of the 2010s, uh, the Super Bowl teams is the interior D line uh, is still their strength. Um, they stiffen up and apply, you know, pressure in the in the big moments. That's essentially what they're known for. Even though, you know, they rarely rarely get sacks. Some of the guys I was impressed with in this game: uh, Boye, Mafe, Derek Hall, Morris. Uh, they looked pretty solid. And also, there was a big fourth and one stop in the fourth quarter and that's always been their forte. You know, they they have the heart in those short yardage situations. Um even if the rest of the defense is leaky, those that interior of the line, they have that heart. That's that's the heart of, you know, this Pete Carroll mentality. And uh you see it a lot. I remember there was a goal line stand Against Cam Newton and the Patriots, I think in 2020, and even though that team was also pretty very bad on defense, that's what um, they—that's essentially the uh, saving grace of this defense. But otherwise, extremely, extremely uh, poor in um, in tackling and um, Trey Brown. You know, if you listen to you know KJR and um, a lot of these these pundits, they talk. You know, they, they talk about obviously uh, Tariq Woolen, who's the best cornerback on this team. They talk about, of course, the fact that they brought in Devin Witherspoon, who is, I think, injured with a hamstring injury now. Hope he comes back from that. And uh, Mike Jackson. And uh, even Kobe Bryant, even though they're talking about moving him possibly to to slot. But they leave out Trey Brown a lot, I noticed. And at first I was like, well, you haven't really seen this guy to know whether he's good or not. uh, Because he's, I think he was injured for an entire season. But today I kind of, I'm starting to see why he's being left out as maybe like the fifth uh, uh, cornerback. or your defensive back, and it's because he is essentially a big hitter, but he's just not good in coverage. He gave up that TD to uh, to Muse today, um, and I've never seen him do well in coverage. He is just a big hitter. He is he's is kind of a Jamal Adams type, but not not even as good. Maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe you know he. He just hasn't had a chance to have that experience yet. That's possible. But from from what I'm seeing from him, he's had opportunities. Uh, He was even like returning kicks and punts today, I think, after Eskridge went out. And um, didn't even do well in that either. So I'll be looking at Trey Brown in in these next couple preseason games to see whether he can crack this rotation because now it's just – we're not gonna see Tariq Woolen, and he was he was he, he was coming back from a procedure. Devin Witherspoon also looks like he was injured. Um Kobe Bryant, I think, had a, a uh, and Mike Jackson had pass breakups today and did fairly well. But Trey Brown is now in in my perspective on the outside looking in, he needs to prove himself this preseason. And the you know, going back to the overall Seahawks defense, they just have so many gaps. Um, and this zone defense of theirs, to the point that whenever opposing quarterbacks um, throw the ball, my anticipation is that they're going to, he's throwing to an open receiver, and the receiver is going to be comfortably open. Um, and, you know, hopefully when the starters come back, uh, Woolen, Witherspoon, Adams, and Diggs, hopefully those guys have uh, a better closing speed. To fill some of those gaps because if not, this defense could get really ugly. It could get really, really, really ugly. Of course, Woolen, we know, has a closing speed. I haven't seen Witherspoon uh, play. I haven't seen Adams play in like two years. Uh, and, And Diggs is on and off. He could be good. He could be not great. Um... So we'll see about that, but this defense could get really, really ugly if the starters don't take a, a big step forward because this second unit was uh, was not tackling and they were allowing some of those big gaps that you see in the in these Pete Carroll zone defenses. Moving on to uh, to Drew Locke, so um, he had a mixed day. Uh, it's very clear that he struggles to deal with with pressure. That might be a little bit on the O line. Um, but he is, he's not very agile, he's not very graceful in his movement within the pocket. Um, but when he has a clean pocket, um, he can definitely sling it. And uh, the, the the broadcast was talking about his his stats in college and how he had, I think, like 40, 45 touchdowns one year. And he has the capability to be a good quarterback. And even he had a stretch with the Broncos when he, he was okay. So... He has that ability, and the reason why I'm bringing him up—I know it's preseason—but if Gino goes down, he's he's the guy essentially. So uh, it's important to to see that he has some kind of ability. Um, his bright moments, um, an amazing touchdown pass to uh, to um, Winston—he really thread the needle. That was incredible precision. That was incredibly impressive. That was from a clean pocket, and then the, uh, the second touchdown to uh, to Bobo. That's just a weird name, man, to keep saying. You just think of Bobo the Clown. But uh, he's, he's actually a good player. And like I said, I'm going to talk about him a little bit later as well. But the interception that Locke threw, it was horrible. Uh, and I remember him doing it also last preseason. I think he had a game with maybe two or three uh, interceptions against the second or third unit uh, of the Vikings' defense. And this is like, it was like a, the linebacker was just sitting there and he was tricked by this linebacker, uh, this linebacker for the Vikings. who's was like a second or, second or third string linebacker and good for the Vikings linebacker. He's, he, he wants to get this job, but it, 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 if you see what Locke was seeing, the fact that he threw that interception, that's uh, that's not NFL starter stuff. So that was a big disappointment. Jackson Smith and Jigbo. He looks like he could be an elite slot receiver. Um, what I saw from him today, he gets open very well. He runs routes very well. Um, but he is slight. His frame is slight. He goes down fairly easily. They were showing some of his uh, tape from Ohio State. And if he is, if he breaks away and gets into space then he can, um, he's got speed. But um, I suppose, of course, there's there's a give and take here, right? So if you're going to be fast and you're going to be slight, then yeah, you're probably going to go down kind of easily like a like a Wes Welker type. But um, he is in that mold. He is in that mold of a uh, possible Wes Welker. Um, I wish he was more in the mold of a Cooper. Maybe, maybe he could reach like a Cooper Cup type of level. It's possible. Um, and if that's the case, then yeah, this this receiver uh, crew can be extremely scary with him and DK and and lock it Punting, Michael Dixon. We saw a, a good amount of punts because uh, the, the, the 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 offense kept going three and out. Uh, so Michael Dixon had a mixed day. Um, he, I think one, I think he, he punted a couple out of bounds. Those, those might've been intentional. I think they were inside. There may be like one at the 12 yard line, one at the, the 15 or so. The special teams got fooled one time um, where the Vikings at was, was uh, acting like he was going to catch it, but then moved out the way the last second. And then it went back for a, a touchback. Um, so mixed day for Michael Dixon. He's he's one of the elite punters in the league. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I give him a pass. It's it's his first first um, action of the season. Um, one of, one of the things I noticed is that the the Seahawks uh, on third down they play this ominous sound in the stadium. It's like a. Um, I don't know how like a tornado war like what they do with like the tornado warning but it's like a like a low rumbling sound to try to intimidate the offense and something I noticed that the Vikings did to counter that today is that they they ran up to the line quickly on on third down so that the Seahawks sound guy had to stop playing that noise but then when they got to the line then the then uh, the quarterback I think Nick Mullins like took his time took an extra like 15 20 seconds which I thought was like really really kind of smart and i know other teams around the league uh, also do that thing on third down that try to intimidate the offense so that might be like a smart strategy to to counter that because these guys have to turn off that that whatever sound it is once they get to the line something i noticed um yeah like i mentioned the vikings backups were definitely better than the the seahawks backups the second units it's it's pretty clear the Vikings are, are better in that respect, but the third and fourth units of the Seahawks are better than the third and fourth units of the of the Vikings. Um, the offer the the offer the Seattle offense still runs those uh, cowardly third um, those cowardly draw plays on third and long. Um, I really don't want to see that anymore, and I'm not talking about like third and 25 or third and 30 but no they'll even like run them on like third and 15 or third and 17 or 18 or 18 uh or even it's third and 20 honestly i i i don't like those those give up plays at least give your receivers a chance to catch like a 10 yard pass and 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 try to uh to run for the first down, I mean, like, trust the blocking, trust the, the, the ability to break tackles. You got to trust them more. Um, okay. The Bruin boys. Zach Char- Charbonnet and Bobo. I forget his first name. I, I didn't I didn't know his first name when they played the Huskies last year. I, I forget. Maybe Jason. Uh, they showed some sparks today. Uh, Charbonnet, that guy definitely has some wiggle. Um... But he doesn't seem like he has a great initial burst or vision at the line. But in space, this guy can can be really scary, and he trucks people. He absolutely runs over people in a way that you know I, I can recall like Adrian Peterson doing. And he had like a shoulder injury, I think maybe in camp, uh, and I can understand why because he really lowers that shoulder. And, uh, and, and trucks people. So in space, I have confidence that, that, uh, that Charbonnet can be really good. And uh, he's a good compliment to Ken Walker because Ken Walker is really just mostly uh, a speedster. Um, and Bobo, what a, what a pleasant surprise. He had, you know, a number of very well run, uh, routes. Um, and he got a TD. Um, and, uh, I think maybe he caught four passes and just very sharp, just the same way I remember him at UCLA when he was playing with the, the, the Huskies. He I, I can see him play you know being the fourth receiver on this team very you know solidly. DK, Tyler Lockett, JSN, and Bobo. I mean from what I see, that can be one of the most solid receiving cores in the league. Um, really, really, really good stuff from 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 Bobo and JSN today. And then towards the end of the game, the third string uh, quarterback Ehlers. I was pleasantly surprised with him as well. Uh, they said he was the MVP on the broadcast of um, a bunch of bowls, like in twenty twenty two. Um. I think he went to to East Carolina. Um but he had a big run uh and looked like he could kind of be like a like a Taysom Hill type. Uh he he looked a lot like Taysom Hill. He he's a lefty, southpaw. Uh and big guy, big guy. Um I hope they use him as Taysom Hill. That would be amazing. Um and he had a crazy fling pass to uh to Landers. Landers Another guy, maybe he could be like the fifth receiver. He was probably the fifth most impressive receiver on this team. And uh, you know, Lander. I, at first, I thought it was like a really smart play by Ayler's to to throw that ball up. And um, sorry, because there's there a lot of pressure, so I thought he was just throwing it away. So I was like, man, this is this is like good quarterback stuff. If, if the pressure's coming, just throw it away. And it looked like he was, but what he was doing was throwing it up to uh, to Landers. And uh, Landers managed to, uh, to fight the uh, defender and come up with it for that touchdown. Exciting play. You know, reminds you of those vintage Seahawks with, the, uh, w- with Russell Wilson. Um, backyard football type. But yeah, Ailers, if they could use this guy as a Taysom Hill type, amazing. Amazing. That would be great. So that's it. That's uh, my takeaways from the first uh, preseason game here. Uh, for the Seahawks. Um, positives on offense, mostly negatives on defense. You gotta hope that some of these starters get healthy and uh come back and, and Tariq is able to do what he did last year and Witherspoon pans out and uh and and I don't have a lot of confidence in Clint Hurt if I'm completely honest with you. But maybe the offense can can carry this defense a little bit. Maybe Bobby Wagner. Hopefully Uh, we just did a uh, top 10 linebackers of all time podcast. Uh, So go check that out. Um, Bobby Wagner made that list. Um, So hopefully he can step up and be that, that tackling monster that we need on this team that stops the run. All right, well, that's it. Thank you guys so much for, for, for tuning in here. Um, If you haven't, You know, subscribed yet? Please go ahead and subscribe. There will be uh, more of these. And uh, look forward to um, doing more of these uh, Seahawks recaps. Have a fantastic day, football fans.